I'm Christina Rea, and welcome to Breaking Out of Breaking In, a practical filmmaking podcast about taking your creative career into your own hands and making great work that gets seen without playing the Hollywood game. Or at least while changing the rules. Hi, I'm Brie Castellini, your other co-host, and today we're breaking down creative partnerships with two very special guests. If you'd like to suggest a new topic, send us a compliment, ask us a question, or otherwise get in touch, you can hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at BreakingOutPod or via email BreakingOutOfBreakingInPod at gmail.com. And if you want deeper dives into everything that we cover on this podcast, including uh, helping us break even during the month of September 2021, subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash BreakingOutPod. You can get in ball for as little as $1 a month and get access to all of the shenanigans of September. But if you want the deep dives into all of our podcast topics, including this topic that we'll get to in just a bit, that's $3 a month and you'll get bonus content like templates, curated learnings, custom infographics, and for $10 a month, you'll get all of that, a sticker and a shout out at the end of every episode. So there's really no good reason not to get involved. Patreon.com slash breaking out pod. But Now it is time for the free thing that we do, the podcast. So it is time to introduce, for the first time, two guests at once, uh, Christina and I's other work partners and creative partners. So welcome to Kelsey Rauber, whose name you've heard many a time on the pod, and Christine Cherry. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. Yeah, welcome for having us. Uh, so I guess we we should start with how did we all meet? So Christina and Kelsey, how did you two meet? And more importantly, how did you start like working together? Kelsey, do you want to tell our sure. origin story? Yeah, um, <laughs> we both went to school in the CUNY system, and Christina was going to Hunter, and I was just like starting to realize that. I'm interested in writing. So I decided to audit this class at Hunter and it was a TV writing class. It was great. Uh, in the first class, we had to pitch an idea. And honestly, from the first class, you could tell that Christina was just going to shine. She was so good. It had to be a pitch with a celebrity. And I chose Chelsea Handler and we did our pitches. I mean, I'm horrible at public speaking, but it was like, there was such a thrill of being in that class. But of course, like, as soon as I pitched, I was like, that was awful. I don't know why I'm doing this. Why am I doing this to myself? And Christina came up to me after and she was like, hey, I really liked your pitch. And I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) I guess we need to be best friends now. And then, yeah, no, we just like grew close after going to that class because I feel like we, our humor level was at the same and you could just tell that like Kristen was incredibly talented and I wanted more of that. <laughs> yeah. <Aww. laughs> yeah, it was in 2010 and I think I recognized Kelsey's talent too and I uh, really liked her idea and so it was genuine. I was like, oh, she's funny and, and then we just had chemistry and we stayed in touch after the class. When What was the first thing that you guys worked on together beyond just like, you know, sending writing back and forth? Um, So it was kind of a long road because Kelsey and I, after the class, would just sort of get together every few months for dinner or lunch or something. And I lived in Queens. She lived in Brooklyn. So we didn't hang out very much. World's a nightmare. (laughs) Absolute nightmare. (laughs) Yeah. So we would find kind of meet like in the middle, like downtown Manhattan for something. And I needed a location for my very first short that I was making outside of school. And she worked at this museum at the time and was able to get me the location. And that was the first time she was on set. And Really, she was just sort of like, oh, the person who got the location and my friend who's helping has extra hands and she was an extra. And then on Summit, she was script supervisor. And we had just started talking about making a web series that turned into the web series Kelsey. It was like very, very early chat, chatting about it. But I was in pre-production for Summit, so not really like in the zone of thinking about making something. But it was based on a true story that happened to Kelsey. I thought it was so funny. I suggested it be a web series. And so we were kind of already in talks. And then during Summit, it was this like intense two-week shoot where I was in the back in the trunk of an SUV with a monitor and like freezing the whole time. And Kelsey was right next to me as the script supervisor. And I think it was that experience where we realized like we work well together in really extreme circumstances (laughs) because She was like the only person who I didn't feel like snapping at or I didn't snap at the whole time, you know, (laughs) and and she was just like very calm and level headed and just such a great 
person to have by my side. And I think we kind of realized that we were really good at collaborating and we already had this web series that we were talking about. So then right after getting back, we immediately jumped into the writing and, and developing stage of it. Very cool. It's funny that Kelsey worked as a script supervisor because Chris and I have both traded off doing super script supervising for each other to varying degrees of success. I am extremely bad at script supervising and Christine is extremely good. So that <laughs> worked out for me and not for her. Uh, Chris, do you want to tell our origin story? Okay, so I want to say... <laughs> In the late 1600s, early 1700s, the pilgrims landed in Plymouth Rock. They had Such different energies in these various relationships. I'm obsessed. But yes, please continue. The 1600s, the pilgrims came over. What and happened next? They landed. They had a very difficult year wherein they almost died, but had a lot of help um, with, the, with the Native Americans who at this time didn't know what they were getting into. And after the first year of successive living they celebrated with a thanksgiving this will be relevant later okay cool can we can we skip forward a little bit because yes. i know you got to go to work eventually so like yes. let's let's skip mm, 400 years yeah uh give or take uh fast forward to 2014 wherein um brie castellini and i separately decided to start the uh tv writing production graduate program at the TV Writer's Studio, which was done through Long Island University, Brooklyn. And I think at first, I don't remember my initial impressions of you. Rude, but fine. Um, I just, I remember you were there and that I was mm -hmm. there. Yep. I think mostly we independently became friends with our friend Andrew. Yes. And then Andrew brought the two of us together. Exactly. We kind of became a, a threesome very quickly, but it yeah, was exactly. via Andrew. Oh, uh, yeah, because Andrew... Although I knew him, I knew him from New York, also lived in Dallas, actually lived very close to me. So we were both friends with Andrew. But very importantly, what happened was the first Thanksgiving that we were there, coming back. <laughs> oh, wow, you really did bring it around. I'm so proud and of you. You're doing there so good. Was, um, in, there was in New York, if you don't know, if you don't know about New York City, um, <laughs> on the day of Thanksgiving, when we celebrate that first year with the pilgrims before all the genocide, well, really daring all the genocide. Um, mm -hmm. There is a large parade. Um, it is the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. And I had never been because I had only been to New York once and Brie had never been either. And and Brie was like, does anyone else want to go to this thing? And like, we were like the only people who were not going home for Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. It was our first year in New York. We were stranded. We didn't know anybody else. And... I, I think actually it came around because I was thinking of going and then I heard that you were sticking around and also your plans for Thanksgiving were to order Chinese food alone in your dorm room and not see anyone. And I was like, well, that's fucking depressing. Come to this parade with me and then I'll make us dinner. I was very depressing at the time. Mm hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and that was another theme of that day is that you kept telling me stories from your life and all of them ended very like they started out very fun and jaunty, like our, our very fun pilgrim story just now. And then they would end super dark. And I was like, are you OK? And uh, spoiler alert, she wasn't. I wasn't OK. <laughs> I'm OK. But now. yeah, so we so we we bonded over. Yeah, that first Thanksgiving, that first the first Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Our and, first Thanksgiving. Um, I think that is and that is now to this day what we celebrate as a nation. <laughs> It's the day that we met. Uh, there's a really great, adorable picture of us mm -hmm. um, from that first Thanksgiving that I love. Uh, one of the few pictures from that time I still like looking at. Um, but yeah. Aww. Thank you. And then Aww. we became friends. And then like the next spring, Bree mm -hmm. and Andrew were like, hey, we're getting an apartment together. You're going to move in with us. And I was very confused. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I am? It's like, yes, you are. You're going to move in with us. It's like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Again. Yeah, we, we, we pretty much strong-armed you. Exactly. So again, I think you're already seeing a theme of Brie dominating <laughs> me into doing mm -hmm. things. Yeah. <laughs> because she has opinions about how I live my life. Yeah, and I, they're all correct, and you're better for it. And in terms of work relating to this filmmaking <laughs> podcast, uh, a little bit before, we're really jumping around on the chronology. Before we moved in together, uh, that spring semester, our class had to develop and shoot a web series pilot for everyone. And um, the three of us, me, Chris, and Andrew, all intended to finish our works, although unfortunately only Chris and I ended up finishing our, our full season. So after we 
all made each other's pilots together. That summer, uh, we all got together and completed filming of Chris's web series, which is called Relativity. It's the smartest thing I have ever seen or worked on. And I did fuck it up because I was script supervising, but you mostly don't (laughs) notice that. And it's very, very cleverly put together. It's got time travel and like non-linear storytelling. It's very cool. And then we made my web series Brains over the course of that summer as well, which Chris sort of associate produced, script supervised, and acted in um, as fan favorite Billy Jack Lippincott, uh, named by my grandparents. And then we kind of just kept working from there. Uh, I don't, I think it was really more of like, you know, the three of us. Um, and then when I wrote Sam and Pat are depressed for mostly just for Chris, uh, Andrew still worked with us, but that was, that was more of Chris and I's project. Yeah. Uh, and we, we continued working from there cause we have similar senses of humor, but also opposite strengths as writers. Yes. And that worked, that worked really well, especially for that show, but for, for other things that we've worked on since. No, yeah, totally. I think, yeah, I am good at the things that you are bad at. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Yep, that's it. That's that's the end of the comparison. Um, so, so speaking of this great energy that we're all going for, I am curious, just on the concept, the topic of creative partnerships, were there any growing pains working together, uh, Christina and Kelsey? Were there any adjustments either of you had to make? Not necessarily like negative ones, just like, oh, this is what it's like to have like somebody having my back. Yeah, I mean, I feel like because we've been working together for quite a while now, because of our partnership. I've become a much more critical reader and uh, consumer of all entertaining mediums. And, and I, yeah, it's not really a growing pain, but it's certainly growth. I feel like within myself, because before that, I, I, I think Christina asks questions in a way that I, you had, you also, you guys did this podcast on giving feedback, right? And it's mm-hmm. so, so important. I feel like in, our relationship, but truly anytime you give feedback in a creative space, it's, I, I think I had to learn to not be like, well, you know, if it, this was me, maybe this is how I'd write it. And it's like, that helps nobody. <laughs> you know? Can you ask a question so that the person writing it or who came up with the idea can like come up with their own solution? And so I feel like I've become much better writer and a better critic of works uh, in general that's nice (laughs) yeah christina it's interesting because i think kelsey and i are just sort of on the same page in general and we're both i think for other people would maybe be too direct or too just like practical (laughs) At least that's how I feel. Sometimes people will tell me like I'm too maybe blunt or or whatever. But I think that Kelsey and I both communicate the same way. And so there's never any like ego or defensiveness because we just kind of gel. And there's there's just a general cohesiveness where like we're both we both understand that we're trying to get to the same place. And so usually like I don't think we've ever butted heads. Uh, on anything creatively and so it's it's really just this natural kind of chemistry and what I what I think is interesting is that we became partners after being in a situation that would have tested everyone's patience and did test everyone's patience versus other relationships where I liked someone and was like let's work together and then realized like oh we actually don't have the chemistry needed for this you know mm-hmm. and and so yeah it's just like kind of a natural thing <laughs> that we that works out yeah <laughs> just like trying to write with other people you like send things back and forth and every time the script would be like completely different like you wouldn't expand on each other it's just like oh but what if we did this over here and it yeah i've definitely tried it and it it just if you're not on the same page like you're not gonna write the same page <laughs> And that's okay. And I think that's an important thing to like say at the top of this conversation is that it's okay if a person that you really respect, a person that you really like, a person that you think is really talented and you are not good partners. It is 100% okay to just be friends with somebody who is also in this industry. It is okay to just be friends with somebody and not be in the same industry. Like work and play do not have to be the same relationship. But networking, Brie... Networking. <laughs> I I talked about early in an earlier episode how I was originally collaborating with my childhood friend Chris, and 
we have like great friend chemistry and he's too many sorry too many chris's too many chris's (laughs) different chris different Different chris Chris. (laughs) um he's a lovely human being and um, an amazing photographer and has a great eye for design but is such a different personality type in terms of collaborating and owning a business with him like we originally owned congested cat together And I'm the type of person who's preparing for taxes months in advance and I have spreadsheets and everything is like subcategorized and he would not even know taxes are a thing. Like that's the difference between us, you know? And it was just beyond stressful. And again, like Kelsey and I, I think it helps that, I think I'm a little bit more type A than she is, but... But there's yes, a nod of yes, affirmation from Kelsey. <laughs> yes, but but Kelsey's organized. Kelsey's you know prepared for things, mm-hmm. and so she takes it the same amount of seriousness. Right. She just maybe doesn't approach that seriousness exactly the same way. Right, but she's not like like if I send her a spreadsheet, she understands how to add to it and engage with it. She's not like, <laughs> why do we need a spreadsheet for this? She's totally on board for the existence of spreadsheets, and so I think that 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 is like a big factor is just that we mm-hmm. are on the same page in terms of how we approach ownership of something and being prepared for something. Yeah. Yeah. So Chris and I don't have the same story at all. <laughs> <laughs> Our story is much more dramatic. Um, I, I mean, like there's not mostly on work projects. We didn't, I don't think we, I think we had more conflicts in our personal life because yeah. we made the cardinal like mistake of living together, going to school together and working together like, you know, 18 hour days on oh, on film projects. And it was yeah, too much. And we were all very depressed and in weird places in our <laughs> own personal lives. And so the cocktail of that was really unhealthy for all potent. of us. <laughs> it was potent. And it was, I mean, we, we, through the skin of our teeth, made two web series seasons that summer, both of which turned out really well. And we remained friends, so something worked out. But it was touch and go (laughs) for a little while. Um, I don't know, Chris, what are are your growing pains as like working partners? Because we definitely like have, I I think, more of a divergence of like work style. No, I think it was. I think there was a sense like, again, I think our work styles are different. I think they were exacerbated by that time i think Mm -hmm. and like also yeah we both calmed down a lot (laughs) we've both calmed down a lot since then i think we've both gotten better with ourselves and i think Mm -hmm. that has helped us like kind of bridge the gap between like each other's styles because we both like working with each other so much and again we are both also very much on the same page as writers and Mm -hmm. creatively we're, we're very yeah very cohesive and so i think because of that like, over time, we've developed very much a sense of, like, understanding of, like, the other person's needs. And I think that's the thing that's really important for us is that, like, at this point, all the worst things that could have happened have happened. So we're no longer surprised. Yeah. I think that's the important yeah. thing. We're no longer surprised by anything. We know what to expect with, when working with each other. We know what that looks mm-hmm. like. Like, you know that I'm going to be slow and I know that you're going to be mean. That's how it works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that is honestly a good distillation. Like, I think that my main issue, not in just Chris and I's creative partnership, but like, throughout my college and most of grad school years, my big issue was like, I essentially, I work very fast. That doesn't mean I work better. It just means I work faster. And then when I have extra time, I idealize what I want other people to be doing and then get upset when reality doesn't line up to the idealization. And again, I want to be very clear. The idealization is not better. It's just what if there were three of me, but they had Mm -hmm. Chris's face. And (laughs) like, that is our relation. And that's not, that's not productive. That's not helpful. And it sets all of us up for failure. It sets me up for resentment and disappointment. It sets Chris up for not meeting an impossible expectation. I realistically couldn't even meet myself. And it just makes everyone like frustrated, but we're all frustrated at this like fictionalized version of a relationship that I have concocted almost entirely in my own brain. And that's not productive. And I, yeah, meeting each other where you're at is super important. And like, I think it is an, a, a conversation that you need to have, whether it's like a literal conversation or one that you work out over the course of working together of does the, where you're at, where I'm meeting you, does that work for me? And does that work for you? Because right. it might not like, you know, Christina and her Chris, uh, like 
it didn't work out Mm -hmm. and that's fine. (laughs) And you guys are still close and that's great for, uh, for my Chris and I, (laughs) it did work out. We just had to maybe readjust the way in which we approached things and like, you know, set more boundaries and more like structure to what is expected of both of us. Where does that expectation end? And like, you know, once we've hit that, okay, that's it. The expectation is is completed or I'm I'm waiting or you're waiting, you know, or whatever. And and you have to just be you have to genuinely be okay with these are the boundaries of this working relationship. And I also think you and I, I would say are each other's primary collaborators creatively. Mm-hmm. But also we're not the only ones. We're very, we're polyamorous creatively. <laughs> I think that's yeah, another I mean, thing. Yeah, even in like, this conversation. Yeah, that's important. That's having important other too. people to bounce off with. You know, if Chris and I are like, okay, we need to take a break. Exactly. <laughs> then I can go work on this podcast, you yeah, know, you and then do this and other that, thing. That is I can do this other thing. And then we mm-hmm. can come back refreshed. Like refreshed. And I think that's the thing that's very important for us too. Um mm-hmm. also it's occurring to me at this point that like your audience does not know me and our whole thing. <laughs> so I do want to clarify, I'm being very mean to Brie. <laughs> <laughs> but it's only because she's a host and she has to have decorum. Mm-hmm. Well, I already, I immediately dropped the decorum. I was instantly rude to you in this podcast because exactly. I wanted to set this. Because I sometimes I worry when you have more than one person on a podcast that like people are going to get confused by whose voice is whose. Like this is a problem I have when listening to podcasts with like more than two hosts. And sometimes mm-hmm. I get confused by who's talking. So I wanted to really early on make it clear the the couple that's rude to each other is me and Chris. And <laughs> <laughs> the couple that is like genuinely so earnest and sweet to each other is Christina and Kelsey, you know, and I think that that's helpful. Knowing the dynamics just makes the listening experience more pleasant, I yeah. believe. <laughs> and it's also good evidence um, that like both these methods can be successful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, but I do want to be very, very clear that like I adore <laughs> Brie and think that she's an amazing artist. disgusting okay so we have a question from ezra lee our our lovely editor uh ezra asks what are your methods in creative partnerships do you sign contracts how do you break away from a creative partnership especially if it's your friend so this is kind of three questions but i guess we start with what are your methods for divvying up responsibilities and do we sign contracts um at any point in the production process so in terms of divvying up i usually like i'm usually the spearheader of a thing and I'll say, okay, this is what needs to be done. And then from there, it's figuring out who does it. And sometimes it is just like a natural, because we have defaults at this point. You know, we like, if it's some, Kelsey's most like whether she's written or not, is probably going to be script supervisor on set, you know. And there have been a couple of instances or really just one, but maybe another one coming up where Kelsey's been the director. And so then I've like fallen into positions that I normally wouldn't on set, like script supervising or um, taking behind the scenes photos. But generally speaking, uh, we kind of know where we fall. And we will like talk about crew. We'll talk about because we know who we usually work with. So we're kind of like, who should we tap for this one? What makes sense? It's more discussing. um, But a lot of the time I'm the one doing outreach. Kelsey tends to take on more of the signing of contracts and stuff like that on set. Do the two of you sign contracts together when you... Between us, we don't. But we're co-owners. It's a, it's a thing because we're co-owners of an LLC. And so we have a, an operations agreement that is generally sort of like dictates how things are supposed to be divided. If we were working with like investors on a film and we had to give away points and it was like much higher stakes, I imagine then we would have to have like actual contracts between the two of us. But generally there's like, there's an agreement that we don't make any money. So it all just funnels back into the expenses of the company. So that I like, it's never really become a complication in that way. And there's just sort of like a 50-50 agreement. If it's a, if it's a film that I made, like it was different with Summit, right? Like Summit was my feature. And so I have designation over how any money coming in is, is spent. Whereas about a donkey... It would have been a 50-50 decision. However, we made like $200 on it and it went into covering our annual expenses for the company that year. So, you know, it's that agreement like and the the legal uh, LLC as an existence, as a partnership, it's a legal 50-50 partnership. That kind of is just like a blanket contract. And generally, I would say it's like do as we say and not as we do in this situation because like 
you should have contracts theoretically like with in terms of you know for film directors tend to make more than the writers for instance we're but we're co-producers so that's like we have sort of equal footing there there's there can be gray areas sure. and if you don't trust the person then it's just hard because like i trust kelsey wholeheartedly mm-hmm you mean you've been working together for over a decade. Exactly. But I also understand that some people are like, I trust this person wholeheartedly. And then it gets nasty and like, you know, ne- you never know. So that's why I advise mm-hmm. that you should have contracts. Kelsey and I, I mean, if you're owning a business with someone, you're, they're seeing like fully inside your life. Like we'd go to an accountant together. I know exactly how much Kelsey made for that year. She knows how much my husband, Justin made for the year. Like there's this sort of intimacy at play that, you really like shouldn't be getting in business with someone unless you genuinely 100% trust them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I would say like we do have that the LLC gives us a blanket agreement, but we are a little bit looser in terms of per project than we probably should be. But I also don't feel that way about us specifically. <laughs> like, because we right. are, yeah. Yeah, protect yourself if you can. There are tons of templates online. Uh, maybe we'll right. even link some in in, the, in our bonus content on Patreon, patreon.com slash breaking out pod <laughs> that are just basic, like, you know, give yourself some level of protection in writing. Because yeah, Chris and I also don't do contracts. We have occasionally signed them because like the, the difference between Chris uh, Cherry and I's relationship and your guys's is that we also often act in our projects. So we have the mm-hmm. added layer of our faces and performances are attached mm-hmm. to a project. Um, and like, I don't think either of us really expected to be acting as much as we ended up. But Oh, no, God, no. <laughs> but as you guys know, when you're, you know, writing something and asking people to work for free or for basically no money for many, many weeks it's easier to do it yourself and we both liked performing so that ended up happening so yeah we've like chris has signed a handful of like talent release forms i don't know if i've actually ever done that because i i hold a similar position it sounds like to christina at least that i'm often the driver of the car um and i you know i'm i'm the one that like sets the meetings and writes the agendas and organizes the google drives and stuff like that um but for decision making sounds similar to you guys we tend to make most of our decisions together you know and and it's that we we have times and place where we do that for our podcast our our delineation of duties is similar ish to christina yeah. and i's podcast you know i i edit every episode of that podcast which sucks um if any burn notice <laughs> listeners are listening y'all i'm not doing a weekly podcast again absolutely not you will have to pay me to do that <laughs> but yeah so like we we both record we we pair off um because we are po- our other podcast is a recap show and recapping an episode is a lot of work like it takes me sometimes almost two hours to watch a 45 minute episode just to like having to pause and write notes and do research to like you know recap so we split that up so i do the odd number episodes christine does the even number episodes and that helps uh, i run our social and and do like the technical stuff she does a technical pass on her own episodes things like that and that works for us uh and and is like if if i i am glad that at this point in our relationship professionally or otherwise that we can have realistic conversations of like hey i can't do that this week you know or we or like if we were going to do a new project we both i think have a pretty good understanding of like this is what i am and am not willing to do and i think that that's also important and it'll probably mean we make less work together because both of us have you know a lot of things that we do and don't want to do but that also is helpful because then neither of us are in that position again where we're like exhausted and on you know day 16 of working and like hating each other (laughs) yeah the ability to say not again is hugely important it super is. And I, I remember a specific moment where I had to learn how to do that. And I think that was that was a moment that was very like helpful for me as like an artist and also as a development and my development as a person of like learning when I need to say no to something mm-hmm. and say like... Do you, do you have a specific example in mind? No, I think it was when we were making season two of Brains. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, um, that was the year after. That was a year after when we were making season two of Brains and I was like going to take on more producing work. And then I was going through a really hard time and realized at one point that like it will be worse if I act like I can do this when I cannot. Mm-hmm. And then I and I remember like coming and telling you it was very emotional. I was very emotional about it. But I do think I also want to mention because Christina said a thing that I think is very important about their process, which I think is similar to our process, is that like... There's an intimacy there. Mm-hmm. And like, 
if it's a situation in which you have a great amount of intimacy, which we also have, because again, we lived we lived together for several years mm-hmm. and did all this stuff. In that situation, intimacy can, to an extent, replace a contract. Intimacy mm-hmm. is its own kind of contract. Yeah, you don't sign a best uh, a converse uh, a contract with your best friend to agree that you'll both not be rude to each other. <laughs> like, right, exactly. You know, <laughs> but like, and that's the only. You are the only person, you and like my other like best friends who I have, who I don't have contracts with. Like in other situations where I've done other things, like in the novel that I co-wrote, I def we had a contract on that because like I was not as like intimate with like everyone who worked on that. Mm-hmm. And so like, yeah, that's definitely a situation wherein contracts are needed. And I think that is the thing that I think Christina also said that is about this episode of television, which is it's a little bit less like generalizable Mm -hmm. if you are not already working with your best friend yeah but also it's nice to work with your best friend yeah it means you get to hang out and that's something that like i found in my partnership with christina in this podcast is because it's funny that we're having this conversation with our other creative partners and it sounds like christina and i hold a similar position in our our separate partnership so when we come together the way that i often describe it to people is christina and i are the same level of intensity and we kind of just like trade off so whichever one of us is feeling more intense that day we'll send the other person a bunch of like to-do lists and agendas and ideas and stuff (laughs) and then the other person will either say oh yeah i'm also on your wavelength today or i'll check it out tomorrow and then they will and we'll switch mm-hmm. off and the, the next day the other person is just like our slack conversations are truly <laughs> insane just how much we're sending to each other of like oh and we can have this idea oh can you change the color on this and it's like that works for us mm-hmm. I, it would not work for me and, and chris cherry uh and i don't i don't know how it would work for you and kelsey but i i do think that like it's funny how different my two most important creative partnerships are in my life <laughs> but how they both work in their own way. And I and I do think that it really does come down to that communication and the ability to say, not today. <laughs> I'll look at it tomorrow. And for the other person to just accept that, you know? And yeah. that was the thing that I, I had a hard time with for a long time is accepting that when I was like on that day and also the reversal of being so terrified to say no because what if the partnership goes away if I'm like, I can't do this today. So what if I just work myself to the bone and that's the solution? It's not that's a bad partnership if it makes you feel like that. Yeah, I think a big part of it is what you said earlier about meeting people where they're at and making sure that you that works for both of you. And so, mm-hmm. like, Brie, you're the only person who does respond sort of immediately whenever I slack <laughs> you something. And so, and, and like... sickness. Kel- like, we have a congested cat slack channel and the general sort of understanding in there is that I'm going to post in a lot of the channels and people can respond at their leisure or not at all. Like that sort of, and so I accept that about, (laughs) Kelsey's laughing, but I accept that. And everyone accepts that about me, that I'm just like always gonna be, have like bursts of inspiration, but it doesn't mean that I expect you to respond, especially because I also Mm -hmm. know that they're all probably in Slack for their like day jobs. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that little like sound can be triggering. Oh, yeah, you know? it definitely is. <laughs> it's so interesting. I'm also thinking, though, like we've been allowed to grow together so much. If we met, if we had met maybe last year and had a Slack channel and you just like had these bursts of inspiration, if we hadn't discussed it, even even if it's not like a signed document, you know, to have some kind of contract between you, I wouldn't probably know that you would be so cool with just being like, get to it when you get to it, you know, because mm-hmm. at work, truly, when I hear that noise, it's like, oh, someone needs me immediately, you know? Right. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's, it's so nice to know, too, this is here. I will read it. I'm excited about this, but I want to dedicate time to it. So I'm not going to do it right now because I don't have the time to dedicate to it to like maybe brainstorm or, you know, like give the feedback that it deserves. Mm -hmm. I think something that I've grown as well on is being aware, like you said, Brie, how you expected everyone to be you and to work the way you work. And I think that Mm -hmm. was me like early college days for sure Mm -hmm. and I've had to grow and accept that not everyone is going to be me and that's okay and to also be like to communicate when I when I when it's urgent and when I expect a response or need a response versus I'm just like I'm just you know 
this is when I'm feeling I'm productive noodling. right now. Yeah. <laughs> or just because like also we we talked about this off off the podcast, but I'm a night person and Kelsey's not. Like she's asleep when I'm most productive. And so that's just something too. I know that I'm probably gonna like wake up to some Slack messages from her at 6 a.m. that she sent at like 6 a.m. or something. And I'm <laughs> waking up at nine seeing it. And she's probably waking up at six or whatever to things I sent at midnight, you know? And so there's there's that element to it. But I've I've had to get better at being like, here's the, the timeline on this thing I'm presenting. So mm-hmm. so that we're all on the same page in that way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just working together, you get used to the way people are. Like everyone in Congested Cat likes a joke that they got a Christina email because it's like fucking a million pages long. And, <laughs> and like that's like a thing that I know I'm going to get made fun of or even just like I'm the mom of any situation. This is a thing I've accepted. Like we went to a festival for the first time in a year earlier in May. And I sent like an itinerary with options for everyone to choose a different time slots. I do that with everything. We went to a we went to a festival in Austin a couple of years ago and I sent like an itinerary and I was like, okay, and we could eat here because it's like five miles from this place. And there's a vegan option for me at this place next door. And like, I just obsessively schedule things. And I think people like that because I like fall into that role so someone's doing it and so there is no like what do you want to do I don't know what do you want to do like that's just how I am but also I'm sure it's annoying if I were like respond to this right away or like did you see that thing Mm -hmm. did you see that thing if I did that every five minutes you know and so it's like being self-aware I'm self-aware of how I can be an obsessive planner and I Mm -hmm. accept that not everyone's going to expect that or enjoy it necessarily but Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just like, I don't know. I think you, you don't stay friends with someone for 10 years if you find them annoying. So I think that that's yeah. really like what it comes down to. I think some to. people do, which is <laughs> wild to me. I think that's so true. something that you're you're bringing up though, Christina, that's interesting that I think is also men- worth mentioning is that like at the same time that meeting people where they're at is really important, taking people at their word is. Like mm-hmm. I've definitely had professional and personal relationships where there was a lot of like crosstalk and either one or both sides of the conversation assumed a different agenda from the other side, despite both people saying what they mean. And that can be really hard and that insecurity can eat away at you and that it makes every conversation a minefield, which is not productive. And so like, you know, something that I definitely worked through in therapy (laughs) and I know other people in my life have as well is like having to take a step back. And if somebody is saying, Hey, I don't need you to respond to this right now, or Hey, I'm not upset. I just want to work this out. That's true. So mm-hmm. let's just not be upset and work it out. And I right. and I do think that there is a danger when you're working with friends of like the, you know, having to take a step back and just be professional. Like this is not a time for us to have like a heart to heart. We are on set. We have two hours left. We have to solve this problem. Let's solve this problem and deal with the other interpersonal stuff later. And like, if you can't compartmentalize like that, then that can get really toxic really fast. And that was, I think one of the biggest problems on brain season one, not relativity, relativity was relatively uh, smooth sailing. Cause it was just one weekend, but like brains, I think a lot of our issues were that we just couldn't compartmentalize. All of us were like, you know, we were classmates, we were friends, we were roommates, we were collaborators all at once. <laughs> and so instead of like making decisions based on the sector of our lives that we were in, we were making all of the decisions at once. And like, you know, if somebody hadn't done the dishes, that was a part of the set that day. And like, mm-hmm. we weren't on set where the dishes were, but the dishes were still like coloring the way we talked to each other. The dishes were on set spiritually. exactly and that's really toxic that's not productive and and then you know you start getting passive aggressive and then you start getting Mm -hmm. actively aggressive and then it just sort of devolves from there and if you have a hard time stepping back from that um and and i think the other part of that was like something that was a struggle for me. And I think Christina and I might've talked about this on a previous episode where one of my biggest things that I used to do that was really hard on a lot of people was when we were having friend time, when we were having not set time, I was still thinking about set. I was still like, Ooh, I just had a good idea for this shot list or, Oh, I think that we should buy these two things as props. And I couldn't separate. So I was always working, which made everyone feel like they were always at work and creative work is very fun. It's also work. And that's very stressful for most people. And I had to learn to like 
compartmentalize myself. Um, and, and that's, that's important. And it was good that my friends were like, you have to take a step back. <laughs> you have to give us separate friend time where we are not like constantly on edge that you're going to yell an agenda item at us. I was like, good note, good note. <laughs> I didn't say good note at the time, but I eventually got there. <laughs> So the other question from Ezra that we didn't get to that we kind of alluded to was how do you break away from a creative partnership, especially when it's your friend? So like, Christina, how did you and Chris, um, like, walk away amicably? What was your conscious uncoupling like? I mean, it happened sort of gradually, because Kelsey and I made our web series, but when Chris was still technically a co-owner of Congested Cat, but he had really started to dive into fashion photography and was already sort of pulling away. And I had had many conversations with him about how like it wasn't working. And honestly, we would, but we did like, I think two tax seasons together. And then I was like, I can't fucking do this anymore. Um, and so really that was the breaking point because when you own an LLC, it's a tied to your personal taxes. Like there's no way to only do your LLC's taxes and not also your personal taxes. And he was just mm. like, I don't like, I'm going to like skip this year and do it next year, like pay the penalty or whatever. And I was like, well, I can't, I need to do my personal taxes and I need to do this fucking LLC tax. So like it, it just was, so it was a lot of us, me being frustrated with him and him being like, I'll get to it. And what I think, I mean, Chris and I, have, and I have been friends since we were six, or at least we've known each other since we were six. We were kind of like frenemies in elementary school. Um, <laughs> but so we like, we can speak very bluntly with each other and know that we'll love each other. I think it's harder if it's a newer friendship, but I was like, Chris, I can't do this anymore. I, I like, I love you, but this isn't going to work. And also Kelsey and I are talking about doing more together. We're working really well together. I want her to be able to claim the expenses put into the web series on her taxes because like we co-funded that. And so it just like made sense for him to sign over the rights to her. And that was mm -hmm. like a very smooth process. It just sort of was like the perfect time. It all kind of fell into place. But then also I had to discuss with Kelsey, like what the ramifications of of owning the company with me would be and, and all of that. And so it all just sort of worked out. Mm -hmm. It's it's hard to have a clean break when it's friends. And so like for me, it made sense to do it sort of gradually and to keep a record. Because I was like, Chris, okay, here like the points of failure, why this is not working. It's not just me being, you know, like hyper organized and you not. And because you try not, so here, I try not to make it about him being a problem. I'm presenting it as him being a problem right now, but <laughs> I tried to make it more like we are not compatible. This does not right. make sense. It's not you. That's a problem. It's that we're not it's making us. sense together. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And I think that that, is how you can sort of present it. So it's not like it's a whole you and I'm doing everything right, but rather we mm. don't make sense to, in this way together. That makes sense. Chris, uh, Chris Cherry, have you had any creative partnerships dissolve or evolve? And do you have any advice based on that? I think it's always a sort of communication thing. I think, if, I think that if you are in a creative relationship or any kind of relationship and you can't have this conversation then the problem was earlier mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. and and I, it's and if you're in the point where like you can't have this conversation there's no good way to have it it's always about mitigating the bad and i do very much agree with christina about how like framing it in terms of the, the compatibility is not there it's not as if like one person is bad and one person is good it just it doesn't work mm -hmm. together and but it's also a thing that, like, even in that scenario, it's unclear if, like, that friendship is going to be salvaged or not. But it's kind of, like, out of your hands at that point. Like, mm -hmm. the best, like, way to get past this is preventative. And, sure. and so, like, it's a thing to think about when you are creating new creative partnerships. Like, a part of the thing that you need to decide early on is, like, are we communicating in such a way wherein we could end this? And it wouldn't destroy our lives and exactly. our, you know, outside mm -hmm. relationship. And, like, I think that's the thing that you have to do. Like, kind of thinking about this, like, conversation, kind of like what I said earlier, but, like, listening to Christina, I'm thinking about the thing that's true of all uh, creative advice, which is 
that it's highly circumstantial (laughs) and like the things that work for one person don't work for another person so i think like the thing that is always the best is to just from the get-go trying to establish like early on what works and what doesn't work before it spirals Mm-hmm. And that's the good thing that I feel like I've gotten better with over time and I'm trying to learn to be better at even more going in the future is establishing boundaries early when it's easy. Mm-hmm. And when it feels like you don't even need them yet. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and same thing with like contracts. I think sometimes a thing can happen with contracts wherein if the idea of the contract is introduced too late it can feel almost like a a, a weird slight or something. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. it's all about, like, setting terms early. Like, when it's fun, it's, like, kind of... It's actually a good idea to have the unfun conversations while you're having fun, because that, like, cuts it. Because mm-hmm. if it's already... If you're already having, like, an unfun time, adding another unfun conversation on top of that is just going to exacerbate things. And then you end up, like, going through these really difficult trials and tribulations that you may or may not make it out of. And it's okay if you don't make it out of out of it, but, like, you might end up wasting a lot of time that you could have spent doing other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of sunk cost fallacy, I think, yeah. in oh, creative God, yes. partnerships that are starting to sour. And you're like, well, we've already done this. And I, I think that, like... I mean, that's definitely something that I've run into in my own life of like, I just because I've done this for many years and want to keep doing one part of it doesn't mean that it's all on the whole salvageable. Like sometimes you do just need to move on and be okay with that and say, well, this project, this partnership, whatever has been left incomplete, but to complete it would destroy us further. You know, it's about trying to, you know, if you can't be fully preventative, at the very least, you can prevent future harm, you know, continued future harm if you just cut it off now. And it's going to be painful if you're in the middle of a partnership that's not feeling amazing anymore. But like, if you know, it will get worse. And every day that you put it off, it will continue to get worse. So the best thing you can do is just have the the hard conversation and deal with the fallout from there. You know, you, you can't control what might happen. You can control what you're doing right now. So to back out more generally, do we have any advice for creative partners that hasn't come up yet? Kelsey, anything that's coming up for you as you're hearing this? I mean, I think it's been said a bunch, but communication is like the key. I I don't know why you'd go into a partnership with someone that you can't communicate with, maybe for like a while. But I think setting clear boundaries from the start is extremely important. And then like assessing or evaluating through the process are you still comfortable like telling that partner how you're feeling if you're not feeling Mm -hmm. like you're hitting the same milestones or something's not going right like I think you just like need to be honest with yourself and your partner throughout the process and that way you can probably save yourself from harm yeah yeah go to therapy on the same day and then talk about therapy together that kind of that honestly I think really really changed the way Chris and I talked. I mean, not only did it lead to Sam and Pratt are depressed, but like, (laughs) I think both of us being in therapy and then talking about therapy with each other gave both of us a lot of perspective on like what we were independently going through, what we were going through together. And Mm -hmm. um, like our, on, on our very first podcast together, uh, Brie and Chris are depressed, which we did as a companion to our web series. Um, There was an episode where Chris outlined the, um, because she used to have a system in therapy where like you were working with like trainees or something. So every year you'd get a new therapist. And she was telling me about the arc of what all of her individual therapists probably thought of me depending on where our relationship was at the time. So like her first therapist was like, this bitch is terrible. And then, you know, it it, it got better as it went. And I think that's very funny. And I do think that, you know, that was important for both of us to be going on our like personal development journey. Sometimes maybe taking a break, doing some, you know, self-discovery and then coming back together can be, you know, more productive than just like forcing your way through the hard times. Mm -hmm. You know, a, a lot of times we don't want to admit that there is something that we personally need to do or advocate for or whatever. Uh, And we put all of the like failings of a creative partnership on the other person. And that's not helpful. Even if you do Mm -hmm. think that you're largely in the right, you're not because you're continuing into a relationship that is not healthy for you Mm -hmm. and the Mm -hmm. other person. So like that is a thing that you need to deal with. And the you know, you really do need to take the ego and the personal out of it. Like, 
if you want to be friends, then just be friends. If you if you really mm-hmm. take the work that you're doing seriously, you need to take the work that you're doing seriously. And if the other person isn't going to meet you there, then you shouldn't be working together. And it's not personal. It's not that they're a bad person. It's not that they're less you know worthy of the career that you both collectively want. It's that together, we are not moving forward. And that's mm-hmm. not going to be helpful or healthy for either of you. And, you know, like Chris said, these are going to be tough conversations, but it's better to have them now. Yeah. yeah. I actually, I was going to ask, did you feel an immediate shift in your relationship once you no longer live together? Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and and the same is true for, for our friend Andrew, who's been sort of the unspoken uh, host of this conversation, because we all, all three of us really had a very tumultuous, um, evolving relationship for a long time. But yeah, as soon as we didn't live together, a lot of things helped. Like, I just personally felt better just in my own space and like having the the physical separation was very helpful mm-hmm. and like you know the pressure wasn't on you know because like when you're in a fight with somebody and you're sharing the same space or when you're mm-hmm. frustrated with someone and sharing the same space you like walking into a room with them just feels so loaded mm-hmm. and then it just mm-hmm. gets worse <laughs> and when you're trying to avoid the conflict yeah so not living together was huge I do miss it sometimes like I still miss my college roommates sometimes I miss being able to like walk into the living room and be like hey can we talk about a thing i'm i'm noodling about it and i want to you know i want to go through it together um but i do also like that i can turn off the zoom call and be totally alone Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that's helpful for me as a human being um and and it it helps me gain perspective like you know there there's all those like shows where if somebody is upset they have to like count to 10 before they respond and it's always played as a joke it's very helpful <laughs> like something that not uh, Chris and I but my friend Andrew and I um or our friend Andrew and I worked out is when we would get on in fights on set the thing that we introduced to stop having fights is we walked away for five minutes. We just, we were not allowed to be in the same room. We were not allowed to talk to each other. And then after that five minutes, we'd come back and figure it out. And it worked a hundred percent. We actually stopped needing to do that at a certain point because we stopped having fights because we now had like the physical boundary and like the memory of the physical boundary to remind us, we will figure it out. We trust each other implicitly. We just got a little hot under the collar and needed a second. Um, and like that was, yeah, that, that physical boundary is so important. And like, it wasn't about like, I can't even look at your stupid face right now. It was just like, if I keep looking at you, all I will do is think about the fight. And that's not helpful to us. I need to clear my head and think about what is the fight about? How do we move forward? I think that taking a friendship into a creative or business partnership is similar to taking a romantic dating relationship into moving in together (laughs) and so Mm -hmm. like all of the things will be amplified so if there are little things that annoy you but you only see this person once in a while now you're living together and your lives are intertwined and those little things may be big things and so I guess my advice would be to really think about not just what excites you but also those little things where you may clash and how, whether or not your communication styles and and how you each deal with conflict really makes sense together. Because, you know, I when I started Congest a Cat with Chris, I we were both in college. I was 20. We were both 20. We're, we're born just like five days apart. And like, I was so excited about all the things that Chris does that I don't do, like I'm not good at, mm-hmm. you know, and all of the ways in which we could have we, we could sort of build off of each other's creativity and we did have all those things. But I also knew that we would get into arguments that would just end up turning into much bigger things because of our like, you know, 20 years of friendship. I knew mm-hmm. these things. You knew you had the capacity for that. Right. And I, and I knew that we weren't compatible in terms of like uh, me being super type A and him just like being what I would consider just a total slacker. But then he would have these like bursts of creativity where he would do amazing things. But then like his follow through on on delivering on things would take forever and it would drive me insane. I knew all of this going in, but I was only thinking about the exciting and like I'm going to have fun with my friend and we're going to make stuff together. And had I really thought it through, and I don't regret it because like I I, I love Chris and we – he, he's the reason we have the logo we have. He's the reason that we had a, a website to begin with because he built it. Like he did the things that he liked to do complemented the things that I didn't do and, and wouldn't be able to do. But 
Yeah, like that's what I would recommend is really thinking about not just what you're excited about, but also where it could go wrong. And and yeah, knowing knowing how you communicate and if that makes sense beyond friendship. Yeah, maybe it's worth having like a a, a pregame conversation. Like in our in our fights on set episode, which this is now sounding very reminiscent to, we talked about something else that Andrew and I actually came up with together, which is doing pregames for the day where we like asked each other a series of questions and like any other principal cast and crew of like, you know, what are we excited about today? What are we worried about? What are we thinking is going to be a big challenge? Things like that. And maybe that's a conversation to have in when you're starting a new project with somebody is like, okay, we're agreeing to work together. Maybe we don't need a, a physical contract, but let's have a conversation about like, hey, we're doing a new thing together. What are you excited about doing together? What are we worried about? You know, what are challenges that we've had in the past or that we're having right now that we we worry will get in the way either of our own stuff? You know, I have lots of work to do right now and maybe I won't have as much time and I am worried about that. And that way you can kind of bridge the gap together and put it in like a neutral place where you can just get on the same page and be open about like, hey, in the past, you know, you were super type B about, you know, taxes, And that's something that worries me. Like, what can we do to ensure that, like, you are hearing me and, you know, instead of me changing fundamentally your personality, we figure out a way for both of us to be successful in, you know, this piece. And what have I done to you that you want to talk about? And like, just just have it out. Just have an open, earnest conversation. Be willing to hear things that you don't do well and come to the table with solutions rather than like defensiveness and maybe that's a a better way to start out Um, or maybe it's something to do in the middle if you are having trouble say let's sit down again and first talk about hey I'm excited about these things that we're working on right now and they're really fun and I love doing it these are things that are not working for me right now what about you okay how can we resolve this? And and maybe instead of being like, I think we need to quit, maybe that's the conversation to have together. Like frame it and start it with, this is what I love about working with you so that you're starting on the right foot and you're making sure that it's not a, like a, an attack, but then you are opening the floor to what isn't working? What else can we be doing differently? What, like, how can I change? How can you change? How can we, you know, come together so that we get out of this without wanting to destroy each other. I think also that partnerships are kind of like dating. And sometimes you need to try, <laughs> I keep making these analogies, but you have to kind of try out different ones to see what clicks. And some people mm-hmm. do meet their like person, you know, in high school, and that's their person for the rest of their life. But I think most people don't. And so I would say even outside of the Chris relationship, I had, you know, tested out multiple DPs and how that was working out and I have other partnerships that were like shorter term. And so when Kelsey and I decided to go into business together, I knew that we would make sense because of the other like shorter term partnerships I had experienced. And and so I think that also it's like, you know, you don't get married at 20 and like I made the mistake of like marrying Chris in this analogy at 20 right (laughs) but um but it's it's like you can try out different partnerships you can make one thing together and see how it goes and that can be just a one thing like one time you partner together not every partnership has to be a long-term forever thing right and and so that that's something to keep in mind I do think like the best indicator of like whether or not a creative partnership will be successful isn't even necessarily do you have similar working styles it's do you have similar values Mm -hmm. because like you can change your working style you can like find ways to like mesh your working styles and like work it out but like if you don't value the end product in the same way or you don't value Mm -hmm. the same thing from the process then you're never going to like figure that out it's never going to like work because at the end of the day, like one of you cares about a different thing more. And so like, I think that's like one of the more useful things to like figure out early on. Absolutely. And like, yeah, I, cause I think lots of times like people start doing these things because they both think it sounds fun, mm-hmm. but like <laughs> it might be that different things sound fun about it to different people. Sure. And like it becomes this thing of like like you and I have very very different styles, but like I think we value the same things like creatively and in terms mm-hmm. of like what we owe each other, mm-hmm. and 
I think that's like an important thing to figure out early on because like, yeah, if we both want the thing to exist, we will make it work because we care about that. And if like we both value each other's mental health, Mm -hmm. then we'll make it work. I also think Chris and I's like obsessive need to deconstruct everything about our own behavior, about each other's behavior, about the things that we're doing is actually a strength. It's constantly frustrating to Quinn whenever he overhears us talking because we'll have, you know, conversations that last eight hours that are about like a very specific like word choice you know and um and it's true with our friend Andrew too but I actually do think that that has been a benefit to us because then it means that there is no like there's no ceiling to what we can have a conversation about and so it like if if Chris wants to talk to me on the phone and be like I was listening to this YouTuber and I realized how exactly you'll get canceled eventually if you will get canceled and then we can talk about like (laughs) The, what that means for like who I am as a person and what that means in relation to her. Like, it sounds like an insane conversation, but it was actually a very interesting one and made me feel more comfortable in my relationship with Chris, who I've known now for, for what, seven, eight years. And like, because I know she's thinking about things, those things, but it's not a judgmental thing. It's just like, I've just been thinking about this recently. And the more clarity you have uh, around the puzzle that you're creating together for your relationship, as well as the work that you're making I feel like that's very helpful because then it means oh I can I can reference back to this like very niche piece of this thing that's not working and we can work that out together because I know that we're both just open to having the conversation because we both value that kind of conversation mm-hmm. and again if we there's didn't nothing it wrong. would be terrible <laughs> yeah there's nothing wrong I think with not valuing I know lots of people who are just like not as interested in that kind of conversation Mm -hmm. and like it's still like possible to have like really good like relationships and maybe even working with them about that kind of thing it's just like knowing ahead of time that this is not a thing where our values connect and Mm -hmm. like finding other ways in which they do and hoping that will work yeah um all right well any any final thoughts from anyone things that we want to tell the world, tell our our fellow filmmakers out there thinking about entering, leaving, or readjusting their existing creative partnerships? I will say, building on a thing that Brie had said earlier about like not starting from like a criticism place, it's a cliche, but the compliment sandwich works. <laughs> like, don't sleep on the compliment sandwich just because we make fun of it. Yeah, no, it's it's important. Like we 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 think that, you know, we're uh, I used to think I was above it. Like I don't need anyone to say nice things to me. I just need to have the the serious conversation. But then that puts you in a weird mood. Like have a good mm-hmm. vibe at the start and the end and like have a yeah. plan for the arc of the conversation and people will appreciate it. you will appreciate it. You know, it's it's the same thing as like when you physically smile, it makes you happier because of the way that like those muscle movements like apply to your neurochemistry and blah, blah, blah. And like the same is true. So like just trust the process. Just be nice to people. Just say nice things first. <laughs> just say nice things last. Have things that you enjoy about this person, this process, this project, you know, in the back pocket. And don't bring it out cynically. Just, you know, be strategic. You can be strategic yeah. without being cynical. Yes. Yeah. Any Anything else, Kelsey, Christina? I mean, just uh, honestly, on, on the back of that, I think if you're authentic in what you're saying, people will take it, you know. But if it feels like, oh, you're not coming from a good place people will get defensive and you just can't get anywhere as soon as someone's defensive. Yeah. Once they've decided that you're double speaking with them, then especially if you were the first or second time, then it's really hard to redefine that relationship and go back to a place of, no, I'm being for real. Right. Yeah. And just to add to that, I think you should, when you go into a partnership with someone, it shouldn't be about what they can do for you or how they can help you. You should genuinely Mm -hmm. love what they do and love their Mm -hmm. style and their taste. And like that, that I think can be a mistake is especially like producer partnerships where it's like this person can get me somewhere, but you're not actually excited about them as an individual and, and what they are capable of outside of helping you. And that can often help you navigate partnerships ending easier too, because if you genuinely respect the other person and think that they're talented and think that they're doing such cool things, then it can help you gain the perspective of, well, I know that they're not just like, bankrupt and awful like I just I don't just hate them because I do still really genuinely respect them but now I see that like the work that they make that I respect so much I can't make it that way and Mm -hmm. vice versa and that's okay you know it's okay to 
be a fan of someone from afar rather than being right up close and, you know, trying to do it together. Like, I think that's a good bookend to this conversation is it is okay at the end of the day to not have a good creative partnership with somebody. And for that to not be a personal thing against either of you doesn't mean that you're bad, doesn't mean that they are bad. It just means you're bad together. And that's fine. That's really okay. It is okay to not work together well. Yeah. Well, on that note, do we want to we wanna outro it? Sure. Thanks so much to Kelsey Rauber for our theme music, Kaylee Brown for our podcast art, Ezra Lee for editing this episode, and to all of you for listening. Links to learn more about them and Christine are in our episode description. And remember to join us on Patreon, patreon.com slash breakingoutpod. We are attempting to break even September 2021, which means get to $275 a month by the end of the month for a very fun patrons-only live stream. So all the details for that, patreon.com slash breakingoutpod. And thank you to our booby VIPs who are $10 patrons on Patreon. Amanda Blunt, Anthony Epp, Shannon Sprangler, Jules Piggott, Rain Bernal, Kelsey Rauber, Jerry Maravia, Norman Steinberg, and Shana Rose Woolley. If you would like a name shout out at the end of every episode, please feel free to subscribe at patreon.com slash breakingoutpod. Also, for free um, and uh, for just as much fun, we would love if you would review us on iTunes. Give us five stars and actually write a little review. It means a lot. Christina has some kind of like special power that allows her to know every time we get a new review and we love seeing those and I would love for her to be able to use that that weird review spidey sense more often so we really appreciate it when you write reviews we would love for you to continue doing so if you haven't already next episode we will be covering fighting writer's block and finding inspiration so be sure to tune in thanks everybody (laughs) 